I'm going to show you my equipment for this. Um, uh, last time I found myself stumped at one point. So um, I brought two Bibles, the Pew Bible, which is the one I will use unless, unless, unless I don't. If you see me op- open up the green one, it's because it's got a really good, um, uh, concise um, uh, concordance in the back. So I'm trying to think, where is that verse that says something about something? And if you see me break that out, um, let me just encourage you, you can do that too. There are Bibles with um, with concordances, so um, keep that in mind if you're ever wondering, does, the, does our faith teach us anything about the particular topic that's on your mind? So, all right. All right. They're all face down now. But one is folded in half, so we'll see what it says. All right. Okay. This is Denny? Forgiveness for very bad acts? Oh, Denny, okay. Is that is that an okay, all right. All right. So forgiveness for very bad acts. Um, okay. Well, that's not a text. That's a topic, but I will give you a, um, all right. I have to, all right. I'm just going to use the green one. So, um, uh, I have, a, I have a, uh, um, a list and I will speak it as soon as I, I can't do two things at once, but let me, let me talk about that. You know, you, you, you saw in the news today, there was a, um, a stabbing, um, incident in Germany. Uh, four people were stabbed at a train station. I've been in a train station in Germany. That thought um, disturbs me. The thought that some unhinged person or some uh, terroristic person, and I don't know, they haven't figured it out yet, but for whatever reason that somebody could do something horrific, uh, um, uh, attempt with the best of their ability to do something um, uh, uh, horrible. Um, uh, we saw in the news just a couple of weeks ago the the person who who shot the policeman in uh, Fairbanks, um, uh, in a in a brutal in a brutal act of uh, of um, violence. So there are terrible acts, and of course, then there's the ones that make the news: people who uh, who uh, commit uh, murder and violence on a grand scale. So so we have a, a legitimate question: um, Can there be forgiveness for such things? Um, and uh, I'm looking for a word, and it's not in here. So I will just, uh, I will, does anyone else remember, where does Paul say that he's the chief of sinners? Okay, see, we're all stumped by this. Okay, well, let me, let me pick a different one. Um, let me pick a different text. Uh, it's, it's John 21. We just read it responsibly this morning. Um, uh, it's a great text about forgiveness. Um, Jesus appears to his disciples at the at the uh, Sea of um, Tiberias, the Sea of Galilee. So this is the risen Lord Jesus. Peter has seen Jesus in chapter 20, and now he has decided he needs some time to go fishing and think things over. Um, and so he tells his friends, "I'm going fishing," and they say they will go with you. So there's a great there's a great thought there. If you know somebody um, who has committed a great sin, uh, Peter has disavowed all knowledge of Jesus. And I think that the other disciples are 
thinking, well, if I had just hung around in the guard, in the um, courtyard, I might have done the same. So I think uh, the other disciples go with him, and that, there's a great lesson for us there. Um, when somebody is is still trying to figure out what has happened, um, what their status is before God uh, as a result of a sin, to to stick with them and not to cut them loose and say, well, you're a bad sinner. Um, so they say, we will go with you. And they went out and got into the boat, but that, that night they caught nothing. I'm reading in John 21. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood in the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? And they answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. And so uh, they bring the fish to the shore, and then after breakfast, um, Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, you really sinned. You did some terrible things, didn't you? Well, no, he doesn't say that. He says, Simon, do you love me more than these? And Peter says, yes, uh, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus doesn't say, well, um, you have to do better in the future. Jesus simply says, feed my lambs. The the beauty of this story for me is not only is there forgiveness and restoration, but um, Jesus acts out what our faith tells us God does. He removes the the sin as far as the east is from the west. It's 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 history. It's it's no longer something Jesus even brings up. He doesn't say you betrayed me. He simply says, "Feed my lambs." There is forgiveness and restoration, and the thing that Peter is um, burdened with is never even mentioned. So uh, there is forgiveness uh, for something as great as uh, as great a sin as um, as being um, with Jesus for three years, living with him, uh, eating meals with him for three years, face to face, and then denying you knew him. So that's a pretty great sin um, as I as I read the the scriptures. Um, Paul says in one of his one of his verses, which I cannot uh, locate in my brain. Um, Paul says he is the chief of sinners. He was a persecutor of. Do you, do you, First Timothy. Okay, First Timothy. Do you have a chapter? Okay, so First Timothy one. Let me just read that because uh, Paul Paul is basically saying Peter's got nothing on me. Um, you think Peter's a sinner? Well, let me tell you about a guy named Paul. He says. So 1 Timothy um, 3, he says, um, uh, this is 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. I am grateful to Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he judged me faithful and appointed me to his service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a man of violence. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is sure and full, worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. So, if I had known foremost, I might have found it in my thing. So, uh, so Paul and Peter, um, Moses, the, the, the great deliverer of Israel, he was a murderer. King David not only was a murderer, but he was an adulterer. Um, there is forgiveness. Uh, there is no sin that is beyond the power of Christ to forgive. Um, so, um, uh, if you're the the victim of somebody else, that may be a hard pill to swallow. But if you have things that weigh on you, I think that can be a great a great comfort. All right.
the John or yeah, John. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so I said restoration. Peter was was regularly seen throughout the scriptures, um, uh, the the biographies of Jesus. We see Peter take kind of a foremost role among uh, Jesus's inner circle. Jesus traveled typically with um, as many as uh, uh, over a hundred disciples at different times. There were occasionally great crowds that came to see his miracles, but there were as many as perhaps a hundred um, uh, disciples who who stuck with him at different times during his ministry. But within that group of uh, that larger group, there were uh, an inner circle of twelve uh, very close um, uh, uh, disciples, and then within that, uh, an, a still closer group of three: Peter, James, and John. And Peter seems to have had a, a, a top uh, or, or a most intimate connection with Jesus within, within that. He was P- Jesus's best friend, perhaps. Um, so uh, he is restored. He is he is told. Okay, carry on. Carry on what I've told you to do in the previous chapter. He's told you. Um, let me let me actually read that. Um, so uh, in the previous chapter, John twenty. If you've got, if you, and see, this is why I wanted this one because then I could tell you page numbers. Um, someone, someone who's got the Bible, could you shout out the John, John twenty page number? One fourteen in the back section, the New Testament section. So um, uh, remember, we just heard from chapter twenty one. So this is chapter 20 now, um, the, the previous chapter. On Easter morning, Jesus, or Easter uh, evening, excuse me, the evening, um, on, on verse 19 uh, of chapter 20, it says, When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then um, uh, the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord, and Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Uh, Jesus commissions the disciples. This is John's um, account of what Matthew describes as the the Great Commission. Jesus giving the church its uh, instructions, what to do until he returns. And... um, uh, uh, Peter does not immediately go off and say, I'm going to go do that. I think Peter is dealing with the, the reality of his betrayal. And so he says, I'm going to go fishing. Um, I don't know if he means I'm not going to do what Jesus said, or if he means I need some time to think this over. Um, and then it's there on the, the seashore that Jesus appears to him and uh, restores him and says, uh, feed my fish. Uh, feed, feed, eat these fish and then feed my sheep. Um, so, all right. Let me uh, let me pick a different one. All right. Here's one. Um, uh, Galatians five sixteen through seventeen. And again, if someone would would uh, shout that out, Galatians five. So I learned a mnemonic uh, years ago. If you're looking through Paul's letters and you're trying to remember what order, um, one ninety. There's the General Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. So uh, Galatians 5, verses 16 through 17. Okay. All right. So I'm going to read it. Um, uh, This is from the letter of Paul to the churches in Galatia. 
Paul says, Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. All right. So, um, can I ask, Sharon, if you have a particular, um, is this, can you, can you give me any more context where your, where your thinking is in this area? Okay. Okay. All right. So he goes on. He says the. Okay. Yeah. So uh, in context, the the greater context, he says, um, uh, Paul is talking about the works of the law versus the works of um, the spirit here. Um, and he says that um, this letter to the Galatians. Let me let me back up a step. The letter to the Galatians. Paul is written to a church that was. Um, doing well, he says, but it was bewitched. There were there were Judaizers who came among them and tried to say, you can't be a Christian unless you're also a Jew. And so Paul is saying, no, that's not true. That's not how the gospel works. And in fact, he says, he says, let anyone who who tries to tell you a different gospel um, be cursed. So Paul is very clear that the the Jewish law, the the different components of the law that Jews would have been familiar with are not what's going to save you. But he says, he's having a, he's having a discussion, what purpose do they serve? And so he's talking about the, the fact that the, um, the law acts like a, um, a disciplinarian or a, a, a basic, basic training instructor. It's uh, someone who, who kind of keeps you in check just for the purposes of the society not being, um, a disaster. So he says that, but then he says, um, Beyond that, above that, is living by the Spirit. So he says that, that it's not like it's a question of if you have, if you have been freed from the law, if you no longer have to do the things that the law requires, then, um, does that mean just kind of, uh, let it all hang out, run wild, uh, you know, you know, do whatever you feel like? He's saying no. He's saying live by the Spirit and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the spirit, and what the spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. They are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. So he means, uh, you know, um, uh, what do you want? You know, I always pick safe, safe, harmless examples. Um, uh, I want another piece of cake, right? But I really don't want a piece of cake. God did not design my, me so that I can have um, another piece of cake, okay? God designed me to to eat a reasonable amount of food relative to the amount of work I do, and that keeps me from from getting all kinds of diseases. Okay, but you don't have to stick with safe ones. Um, there are people who do things that are um, that that make sense to them in some level. They want to do something that they think that they will enjoy. They want to indulge a, an appetite, or um, they want to get revenge. They want to um, to show who's boss. Um, there are there are people who want to do things that gratify the flesh, and Paul says, "You are freed from the law, the capital L law, but don't then just run wild and uh, do whatever uh, odd thing strikes your fancy." Um, he says, "He says, live by the Spirit. The Spirit is the thing behind the law. 
You're no longer bound by the law, but the Spirit is what what the law was attempting to point to. So live by the Spirit and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. Okay? Um, and there's a long list. And then he, he says at the end, um, by contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. He's saying that... that um, uh, I think he's saying here, the the law never prohibited these things. These were always good things. So live in this way. And I think he's holding out an olive branch to the people who want to have them uh, convert to Judaism. And he's saying, he's saying, well, here's some common ground. The Spirit will enable you. The Spirit will give fruit in your life to make you loving, joyful, peaceful, and so forth. So he's saying. It's not a question of doing this because you must. It's a question of actually accessing the the power of God to do those things in your life. All right. Um, let's do another one. We've got time for one more. All right. Um, okay, so here's one from Tony. All right, uh, John 15. So John 15, verse 17 and 18, it looks like. All right. Okay, so Jesus has, um, uh, this is part of, um, uh, let, let me just read the specific verses. So does someone have a page number? John 109? Okay, so John John 15 in verse uh, uh uh, 15 and, and, I'm sorry, 17 and 18. Okay, it goes over onto page 110. Okay, well, it's in John 15, somewhere around 109 and 110. And in mine, it's 1587. So, um, all right. Uh, so, um, Jesus says, I am giving you these commands so you may love one another. If the world hates you, be aware it hated me before it hated you. Um, and he goes on, um, if you belong to the world, the world would love you. Here, I'm just going to... Uh, the, the question goes on in the night. I'm just going to read it from my text. If you belong to the world, the world would love you as its own. Because you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Okay, so what is Jesus getting at there? Um, uh, he says, if the world hates you, beware that, be aware it hated me before it hate, hated you. In John's, in John's way of discussing things, he uses the word the world for everything that is opposed to God. Um, he talks about the world system. Um, and he says, despite the fact that the world is opposed to God, God does not, um, hate the world. He says, God so loves the world that he sent his son, um, famously in John 3.16, he sent his son so that, um, Anyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. So he's saying there is this, this juxtaposition between God and the, the system of things that is opposed to God, the world. Okay. Um, uh, I think, I think sometimes we think of, um, we think of sin kind of in terms of things we do, things other people do, and we don't think of it systematically, but a lot of the evil we do is, is, um, is systematic. It's something that, that, that we're driven to because we're part of a broader system. Um, 
you know, there's debates today talking about rape culture or, um, or talking about, uh, um, a racial privilege. And I don't know where you come down on those discussions, but the point they're getting at is sometimes, um, you know, fish aren't aware of the water that they swim in. And so if you grow up in a system, you may not realize what you're doing is sinful. Um, I've used the example before. Um, uh, you may be the most uh, loving and open-hearted uh, uh, person in the world. Uh, you may uh, contribute to charities and do all the good things. But if you find out that the house you live in is in a, is in a district of town that's starting to become um, uh, lower priced, uh, the, the houses are losing their value because the, the character of the neighborhood is changing due to, due to uh, people moving into the neighborhood from a different part of town. Um, and the property values are dropping because people don't want to, to be part of a ghetto, whatever that ghetto might look like. Um, you know, picture, picture if, um, if where your house is right now were closer to, uh, some, some invisible boundary between here and, and, um, Mountain View or, um, Muldoon where you're saying, well, the crime is higher or, uh, people with, uh, different sorts of, uh, uh, ethnic backgrounds or whatever live there. Um, and it's not that I have any problem with them, but we're talking about the value of my house now. And no offense, but I'm not going to let my savings all go down the tubes. That's an example of a systematic sin. Now, what you do with it is up to you, right? But it's an example where it's not that you personally are are uh, uh, hateful. It's just that you have concerns about the value of your property. So that's an example of a systematic sin. So Jesus talks a lot about systematic sin because it's not all, you know, I made a conscious decision to be a racist. I made a conscious decision to to uh, to to be evil in this way but I'm participating in a system of sin. So he says, and if the world hates you, that's not necessarily a bad thing. If you stand up to the world, if you say, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to participate in the things the world does, the things the world uh, encourages me to, to be part of. He says, if the world hates you, you've got good company. It hated me before it hated you. If you belong to the world... The world would love you. If you went along, if you said, you know what, that's the way the game is played, that's that's what you've got to do to succeed in politics, that's what you've got to do to succeed at business, that's what you've got to do to succeed in the world, then the world will say, okay, he's tame. She's tame. You can trust her. She's not going to make waves. And Jesus says, if you belong to the world, the world would love you. But because you do not belong to the world, but I have... uh, I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Jesus says, because you're a part of my um, reconciling community, you're part of this this new movement that I am putting together to reconcile the world to itself and to God, the world is going to be threatened. You're going to upset rice bowls. You're going to you're going to make people feel like you're judging them. And he doesn't say you should judge them, but he says they're going to feel that way. If you say to people at work, they say, hey, let's all go do this after work. And you say, you know, no, you guys have fun. I'm not going to be part of that. Then they're going to feel like you're judging them. And they're going to say, oh, you're so special. You're a Jesus person, right? Jesus is saying, yeah, expect that. That's what they do. And he says, and ultimately, 
to whatever extent the world realizes you are opposed to it, you are more likely to be crucified. The world realized Jesus was opposed to it, and there was no option the world had but to crucify him. And he says, that will happen to you. In this world, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So, And that's really all we have time for. Uh, um, I have some extra ones. I save these up, and I think about them when I'm doing sermon planning. So I appreciate those of you who I did not um, look at. So uh, thank you for all of them. And uh, um, that's our last one for this year. Um, come back next Sunday. I don't do commercials, but I'm going to do... Next Sunday, I'm going to tell you who to vote for. So I know you're just desperate to... <laughs> so we're going to talk politics next 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 week. So... Um, so, all right.